Hi, everybody. This is the Healing the City podcast. I am Jessica Dennis here with Pastor Eric Seepin in Tucson, Arizona. Wow. Hey. Hi. We're here. <laughs> We're finally back in the podcasting studio. Today. Yeah. It's been three months, two months. I it's don't been know. a while. And what's crazy is uh, we have podcasts already in like scheduled all the way out till the beginning of April. Oh, wow. So this podcast, people will be hearing probably second week of April. Oh, my gosh. So it's February now. It is February right now. I just broke the magic, the curtain. You did. Giving people an insight into it. But the reality is what I really enjoy about you has nothing to do with your ethnicity, but it does have to do with your expertise. And that is that you understand how race itself, not being Hispanic, but race and culture and American history all kind of merge together to create inequity and burden. And mm-hmm. you understand the dynamics of education. You've seen the effects. Yeah, implications on poverty. Yeah, all those kinds health. of things. Health. Yeah. And so I really would rather have those conversations than, I mean, obviously you can't put aside who you are to have those conversations, mm-hmm. but you're, you're an expert in these things. This is the yeah. fun part of talking about things. So, I don't know if there is, I guess, I I was thinking about this and I was thinking, okay, well, in your story, you are in education, you're training teachers, Mm -hmm. how much, and and I know this may be, we didn't talk about this, but how much of that had to do with you training them to deal with a diverse classroom? (laughs) and handling those kinds of things or was that completely pushed out of your it wasn't diverse (laughs) that's the issue it was i mean there was diversity i i remember i had a student from vietnam and that was very different for me but for the most part the students were latino or even from mexico okay um and and but was your so teachers you were training were they all latino yeah, for the most part, yeah. Wow. So it was yeah. a pretty monolithic. Yeah, because it was it was in the real yeah. Grand Valley, yeah, right? Um, and that's when someone, <laughs> someone uh, that I used to work with, told me like, "Oh, you know, you've <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> you've never experienced seeing uh, Latinos in power and like in positions of authority, and so it's hard for you. Like, you don't have any heroes, and I'm just like." do you know where I'm from? Like the whole town is run by this. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, it was very much like that was not the focus. It wasn't okay. about like how do you work with diverse populations? It was more about like um, how do you set aside your bias of like the bad kid okay. or. Uh, how do you set aside your bias of the bad kid? <laughs> with a lot of awareness. That's yeah. Um I mean, I'm saying that I was not perfect in that area too, but I guess what I'm saying is like that was the focus right. and not not like how do you deal with different groups? Right. Um, because, yeah, there wasn't, that wasn't the focus. I'm repeating myself no, there. Right. But yeah. So uh, what would you say, like, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm just thinking about where does, where does, where does education have to change? I mean, I, I think when I think about these things and I, I think about what you were doing, you've, you, 
have watched sort of the evolution over the last, I don't know, 10 years? You've been a teacher for 10 years or in, in this world? Um, 2009. Maybe five. 11 years. 11 years. Been... So what is it? What are some of the systemic things you see in, in the system that Right. Uh, you can't have this conversation without talking about funding, okay. without funding let's, for education. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, okay. So <laughs> I remember, so I was, uh, we were, I was driving down the street with someone in Texas and they just so happened to notice that all the homeless people were people of color. And they're like, you know, is it just like, but essentially what they said is, is it something inherent in the culture that makes people of color the, the poor ones? Um, which is a huge question. And so I had to jump into this. Um, and I, I also experienced this at the U of A. One of my professors kind of, we just had a long talk about this. Um, so when you think about when you think about why people are in the situation they are, there's a lot of factors, right? Sure. There's like all these societal factors. There's like their emotional health and mental health and things like that. But if you start looking at like entire groups of people, you and um, this is part of what Teach for America's mission is, by the way, too. So you can look that up. But when you start looking at entire groups of people and you start to learn that geographically that there's groups that are failing. And uh, in my particular case where I'm from the border, South Texas, you know, if these groups, this group just so happened to be Latino because of where we were, but it was also at the time declared the poorest city in the nation, right? So Brownsville was declared poorest city in the nation, which also meant that people's taxes aren't that high. And with the current system of public schools getting money from taxes in the right. area then if your taxes aren't high then you're not going to make that much money per student sure you're not going to get that much money per student and the federal government can pay and things like that but it's still not the same as if you lived in a wealthier community where everyone around you is engineers and or doctors or silicon valley for example like all the money that's there and then they pay their taxes and it goes to those schools. Well, then it's no wonder that these schools have more money to spend per student. Right. So then that translates into less qualified teachers because usually the teachers, they don't stay in those areas because they're not paid as well. And so you have this huge turnover of teachers. Um, and so never... There's not a lot that are mastering their craft. That's not exactly what I saw. I did see teachers that were there for years and years and years. But when you're talking about uh, who the not so great teachers are, chances are they they haven't been there long. Right. Um, so you can't pay your teachers well. You can't pay for supplies. You your priorities are mastering this test so that the state can give you more money. Um, then you're not focused on giving the best education that you can. Because you're thinking about, like, how do you just even make basic things work? Um, If that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense. But anyway, yeah. So then when you take this entire, when you take geographics into into account and funding into account, then it's no wonder that, you know, some groups hurt more than others. Right. yeah, because if you if you like 
set people up to fail because you're not funding them. And that's currently what's happening in Arizona with the Red for Ed movement. If you're setting people up to fail, then how can you expect these amazing results? And then when they don't get those results, you punish the schools for it. You send their money elsewhere because, oh, public schools are failing. Well, yeah, they're failing because you're not funding them. So, yeah, it's... So that turns into, I am now 18 years old. I didn't have that great of an education as someone that in a wealthier community did at a public school. You know, we both were served by our state, but someone definitely got a better education. And so then what are my life chances in comparison, right? right. If I if I didn't go to one of these wealthy schools, then that also means that I'm not surrounded by people that can give me the opportunities for internships or summer programs or things like that. So, yeah, I just um, when people want to say that there's inherently something in the culture right. that does not value education, it's like you are missing such a big part of this. And I just touched on one. Right. Right. On like funding schools. Right. Um, but no, you're like you're not even talking about culture. It's not in the culture to you know, be poor and to be homeless. Like there's, I don't think there's any culture that values, right? Right. Like, oh, we're just not going to, we're not going to try to better ourselves or anything like that. Um, Yeah. So I wasn't expecting to talk about that today, but. but No, that was, that was really beautiful. And I, I wonder, you know, what happens too then is that within your culture, because like, it's geographical, right? And you end mm-hmm. up you're not there's not a diversity there. You you don't know a lot of you can't there's not a lot of integration between economic levels. Mm-hmm. So there's you don't know the Hispanic doctor or you don't know somebody who who might walk alongside you or help you. It's everybody's sort of in the same place yeah. economically. And so because moving up in our culture has a lot to do with who you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, if you're African-American or if you're Hispanic, you don't have that. Yeah. Well, and then what happened, what happens a lot is that the students who, oh man, I didn't even talk about, did you eat breakfast in the morning and how does that affect your day at school? Right. Um, You could talk about that. Right. So if your home life is constantly changing because you're in foster care or, your parents are working multiple jobs and they can't help you with homework. Um, or your mom or pa- your parents or your guardians have mental health issues and so they're not taking good, as good of care of you as they can. Then, yeah, what does your day at school look like? Um, right. And if you, like, what does it matter to learn the Pythagorean theorem when you don't even know if, like, you're going to have a, a place to sleep? that right. night right right. so i mean there's that whole element too um well and, and that's interesting because i have spent a lot of time you know here's two things i observe when i listen to people and they're white and they begin to tell me their stories and mm-hmm. they lived in a house like that mm-hmm. they always have a story about how they went across the street to the stable parents house who welcomed mm. them in and gave them a space when i listen to people who are african-american or hispanic or usually from those two particular cultures, they went over to somebody else's house that was a little safer, but mom still was working and dad wasn't home because he was working. It was just a safer house mm-hmm. or had a little bit more money, but they're, but they were all in the same place. 
Whereas, so there wasn't, you know, so when you talk about a broken family and then there's, you can walk down the street and find a family who is in a different economic place, Mm -hmm. who has space to care for the kid who's, you know, not doing well. When I listen, usually I don't hear that within an African-American community and Hispanic community, partly because economically they're all the same. They've been pushed together. Mm-hmm. So they're all in the same place. Yes, they come together and, and there are ways of of helping each other, but economically they don't have the power to do that, like to, to create a stability. Yeah. Um, that's at least been my experience. I don't know if that's a, a true thing, but Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure and I'm trying to think of like um I I think there is at least in my hometown there's there's that part of town that I can think of where everyone's on the same boat. Um and so where do you go for safety and for food even? Right. Yeah. But um, what I was trying to get to was that it's not if if you see this only as this is a cultural thing, right? Or this is a black thing, or this is a Latino thing, um, you are missing it, it. You completely erase all the societal mm. issues right. at hand. Gotcha. And it's 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 a blanket statement that allows you to disregard the fact that people are not eating or people are not getting taken care of or they can't afford to go to the doctor because right. they have to pay their bills. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's completely disregarding all of that. Right. And so to say, like, inherently, they're mm. just not as intelligent. Ah, that's interesting. Right. Then, right. then you're missing it. Right. So yeah, it's a weird thing because what I hear you saying, and please push back and change what I'm saying and, and – and correct me, but what I hear you saying is that we lose the humanity very quickly when we begin to mm-hmm. analyze things from like this. This is inherent in your culture. Right. When you start to generalize about whole groups of people or an entire country, like Mexicans don't value education, right? Right. Then, you know, obviously look at Mexico, they have colleges, they have schools, like, you know, you're generalizing about an entire country Mm. and not looking at the situation at hand. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's ultimately what, what I'm trying to get to is that, yeah, I I think it could be really easy to just give that excuse. Um, And I think in, when you look at politically, why some people believe the way that they do is because, well, that's just, that's just how that group is. Hmm. And they don't care about bettering themselves. Um, or maybe there's one or two great people in this group, but, you know, the rest, they don't really care. Hmm. Um, and so you asked me earlier, how do you deal with the bad student? Like the, mm-hmm. and again, yeah. in quotes, the bad student, it's that same thing. Like your general, like once you start labeling this kid, you stop think believing that they are also deserving of the resources and the help that that would help them get to where they need to be. Hmm. Um, and that's what starts happening is once you see this kid or this group as no longer worthy, no longer deserving, they're just going to waste this resource, then why should I even bother? Right. Right. Interesting. So you become the judge very quickly. Yeah. Of who, who gets what and how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I just heard on the radio, I don't have the full details because I just heard it, but Trump is, Trump's administration is planning to eliminate a 
a scholarship for the uh, for Native American students. And I think the Navajo Nation, which is part here in Arizona, they got $13 million that helped 3,500 students go to college. Right. And this would completely eliminate that scholarship. Right. Just completely. And so, yeah, again, you talk about, oh, inherent in the culture. Like, well, again, you're not giving them the resources that they need to get to where they need to be. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this this is a this is a really a really uh, this it's a hard topic because I I feel like um, on one hand this is an economic conversation right mm-hmm. and how we understand poverty, mm-hmm. um, but it's also a power conversation like who's in power yeah who's deciding that these people should not get the scholarship right. anymore and where is that money going what is it actually what is it funding instead right or who is it funding and and as a as a follower of Jesus how how do you kind of sort this out as as somebody i mean because these are we're talking about okay native americans this is a is a group of people a particular race hispanic huge it's, group it's a huge group of yeah. people right um and, you know, one of the most uncomfortable experiences I had to had in my diversity class that I took in college when I first started down that track was they forced us in a circle to name our race in, in a two kind of uh, um, tier thing. So I couldn't just say I was an American or I was a white person. Mm-hmm. I had to say I was, you know, Dutch, Irish white right to like kind of understand the diversity of my own self and um i kind of lost my thought on this but but i guess what i try to say is like when we delve in it's very easy to talk about economics if we don't talk about race mm-hmm. we can talk about poverty and people get poverty but as soon as you begin to bring race into poverty it becomes a very uncomfortable conversation Mm -hmm. because i feel like you have to go back and forth from saying this is an economic issue but this is also a race issue yeah how do you well yeah i mean look at the the new york times article that showed there was a research study done that showed that black men are less likely than white men to change their economic group Yes, I yeah. saw that you study saw, too. Yeah, yeah, and so y- y- people are like, "Oh, we're in the age of Martin Luther King, and none of that matters." Well, then why is this happening? Why is it harder for these men, for this group, to climb economically mm-hmm. than you know to to exceed what their parents make? That's what we're. That's what that means. I think. Um, yes. Then, then a, then a white person. Yes. Yeah. So you have to think about, like, what is actually going on here? And then there was another study, and I believe it was the New York Times as well. Not a study. Um, it was an article about, like, this NFL player who was, like, this big, like, big guy. Um, and he couldn't get a loan from a bank. He had all this money, and he wanted to invest it. Um, and the bank wouldn't – it wasn't a loan. They just wouldn't work with him. They didn't want to – they didn't want to work with him. 
and they went behind the scenes or something like he recorded the conversation and he found like, look, it's just it's the way you look like you're going to come in here really threatening, big, black. And, you know, people aren't going to want to work with you. And so that it was such a crazy article because it was like, yeah, you think that things are equal. But then you have something like this, like this NFL player with tons of money can't even get, right. you know, help at a bank. Right. Um, yeah. So it. it it does become very uncomfortable. I'm not, I, I don't know why exactly. So maybe you could talk about why it becomes uncomfortable. But the reality is, is that like, yeah, you have to take race into account. You do. Um, you have to take gender into account. Yes, you do. Yeah. And the, the term of intersectionality, that concept is that people aren't just one thing. You know, there's several spheres that they, that they exist in, that they have to navigate. So, you know, a black woman working in academia has a very different experience than a white male. Right. And not just because she's black, not just because um, she's in academia, but also because she's a woman. And right. so, like, what is all of that? You know, right. wh- how learning how does she navigate each one of those things? Um, yeah. And so you j- I find it difficult to have that conversation, One to have one of those conversations with You've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Eric Steepen. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.